0: Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share deeply passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with free resources like my guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before we go any further, I have a question. Have you ever looked at someone and thought that they really seem like they have it all together? Well, my dad always used to say that a perfect person is someone you don't know very well. Because everyone knows what it's like to be afraid that we're not enough or that we won't be loved or that we won't have what we need to be happy and safe. There's no human among us who has nothing to ever be upset about. But it turns out that in the face of any loss, we have the choice to either be a victim or to be empowered. And empowerment is always the better choice because every loss and challenge in our life can teach us something new. We can treat all of our painful experiences like they're an adventure, and when we do this, we get to ask ourselves, who do I want to be next after I get through this? The more we can ride out our challenges this way, the more we become better friends, better partners, and better humans. And in this episode of Women Wanting Women, Kimmy Glinski, a former supermodel turned healer, tells her story of leaning into loss and using the pain in her life to grow herself into a woman who's every bit as wise and loving on the inside as she is strikingly beautiful on the outside. Kimmy Glinsky was an international top model from Milan to Paris to New York for 12 years, during which she worked with fashion industry legends, including Alexander McQueen, Mario Testino, Tom Ford, and Calvin Klein, and she was featured in Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Marie Claire, and W Magazine, in addition to the countless runway fashion shows she walked in. But Kim's years of living the fashion lifestyle led to many unhealthy habits, toxic thinking, and dysfunctional coping mechanisms. Eventually, in the span of four years, Kim lost her sister, her father, and three late-term pregnancies. This plummeted her into life-threatening depression, and when wine and cigarettes eventually stopped working to cover the pain, she had no choice but to work directly on undoing the unhealthy thinking and behavior patterns that were ruining her life. Through a journey of exploring various healing modalities, Kim was able to create the life she wanted, And now she has spent over a decade studying, training, and working with clients to navigate the difficult patches of life and helping them recover a sense of self, clarity, and purpose. You can learn more about her at theevolvingcenter.com, but before you do, please enjoy this deeply personal and enriching conversation with Kim Iglinski kim thank you so much for being here um you're just someone who every time i walk away from one of our conversations i think holy cow this this lady is so wise and that's what i love about you and especially the the form that you come in as this you know striking supermodel type Um, and you know people wouldn't realize that i think so many people walk around and they look at at women like you who have you know beauty and grace and poise and think, Oh, you know, she has everything. But what I love so much about you is that you really stand for helping people realize that that life is full of pain, and it doesn't matter what what form we come in.
1: Um, Yeah, thank you for this introduction. And um, I think one of the things we do want to make people aware is that yeah life is full of pain. I mean, we all experience it from loss to to divorce, separation. people move on away and um and all of us experiencing it and yet um so many of us hiding it and it comes from two things one uh, on one hand, people don't want other people to think that they're um in pain and they think everybody else is perfect and everybody else got it together. And I've definitely had people project that on me. Like you said, like being a model, um, or being beautiful, or be or seem like I have it together would create a situation where a lot of people would project, oh, she's got it all, she's got nothing to worry about. And all of us do this um all of us do this to each other looking at at other couples and going like wow they have that perfect relationship or they have that perfect job they might they must have it all together they must have a perfect life and it's guaranteed that all of us suffer from pain from insecurity at times from um not trusting that we are loved and not trusting that uh that the universe will provide for us what we need um, so that's kind of like one thing. And then the other thing is that most of us never learned how to actually process pain and how to feel the pain in a productive way and productive, meaning like just move it through, move through it, feel it and let it go rather than kind of like be stuck in it. Um, which is what most of us have the idea that, you know, that if we just if we feel the pain, it would stay here forever and I will not be able to get out of it. And now it's just be stuck um so those are kind of like two things i'd want to talk about a little bit later but the first thing is um i learned to share my to share my story and i'm so grateful that you asked me to come and share my story because it is like we are projecting on each other so much and i would love people to just know that none of us is perfect and none of us um got it together and none of us actually came here because we wanted perfection. <laughs> All of us came here because we wanted to experience life in a particular way.
0: You mean came, came to this earth, came into this life. We're here to learn.
1: To this body, in this experience, we came here to learn. Nobody came here to, 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 um, to uh, experience perfection, even though we think we are and we think we should. <laughs> and a lot of the pain actually comes from that.
0: And you had such an interesting experience because you really got to the top of your game, the top of the industry, only to realize it was empty. And then even though you had from the outside what looked like such a, a perfect life, you you lost late-term pregnancies. I remember you telling me, I met you when you were actually finally pregnant with Puma. Mm-hmm. But... Uh-huh. Um, Son who's six
1: years old, yeah. Now he's sick. Um- it's hard to
0: believe, but... <laughs>
1: Yeah I mean yeah definitely I've uh gone through the ringer with um with what I've experienced um and yeah I have so so you know I grew up I mean most of you must have uh, heard my accent so I grew up in Israel um in a kibbutz uh which is sort of like this communal um experiment that's unique to Israel And, um, so I grew up in a very small place and I never knew that the different experiences available until, um, until I, um, you know, ended up kind of like in quotes being discovered by a photographer and was offered the opportunity to model. And, and, you know, growing up, I was, you know, such a tomboy and so, um, and kind of like wild and barefoot. And I had to learn a lot in order to become a model, kind of like to refine myself, um, and but there was also this desire inside of me to to be seen to be to be successful to have you know if i can just kind of like buy whatever i want and have access to uh you know again money power um um and and fame that that would that that would kind of like create fulfillment that that would give me the sense of um of of value and that would give me a sense of 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 um, self and i was kind of like you know through you know i i started modeling and i wasn't doing very well at first and all of a sudden i kind of like hit success and became um quite uh well known at least in the industry and um the more i was doing it the more money i was getting the more fame i was getting and the more um kind of like people were admiring me and, and, and looking up to me, the more empty it actually all felt, because it wasn't actually creating any deep satisfaction, especially because there weren't actual connections. Because what I realized at that point is that I am not available for connection too much of I, the way I, descri- I like to describe it, actually, is I, I, I call myself uh, emotionally constipated. I was emotionally constipated at the time. Where I couldn't feel I didn't want to feel my own pain and my own um, suffering, so I, so I couldn't feel the joy and the bliss and the happiness and the, and the love um, either, because we can't you know we can't um, block out some feelings and then feel others. It, kind of, it doesn't work that way. Right. right. when you're blocking um,
0: out any feeling. You're blocking, You're blocking out both sides. You can't block out the negative without blocking out the positive. A blockage is a
1: blockage. That's right. That's right. And so what I, you know, what I notice is, is that, and, you know, I have this story that I tell um, about that moment of realization that I had. And um, I was living in New York City and I was kind of like, you know, doing really well. And I shot this Gap campaign, which at the time was like a big deal. And um, and I was walking down Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. And I look up and there's this giant building with, you know, with my, with my Gap advert like splattered over it. And I looked at it and I was kind of like, this is, you know, this is the moment that I've been working um, for. And it felt completely empty. And it felt... Um, it felt like nothing. There wasn't a sense of satisfaction. There wasn't a sense of accomplishment. There was just a sense of emptiness. And I think that was actually the first time that I noticed that I wasn't feeling, that I didn't have access to, um, to the satisfaction and uh, of and, and enjoying the fruit of my labor. Um, and that was very interesting cause I took note at that time that that's what was going on and I still didn't know what to do about it for quite a while. Um, and you know, much of my pain essentially came from, you know, again, growing up in a culture that did not, um, allow or, or encourage pe- people speaking about where they're at or how they're feeling. Um, I remember growing up and, you know, saying, you know, I feel this way and, and my dad going like, nobody cares, like, you know, stuff it in or like, you know, ignore it like the rest of us or something like this. And, um you know, it's kind of like over time things accumulated and they haven't actually been processed. And so by the time um I noticed it when I was about 23, they were like, no, there wasn't. There was almost like nothing that I could um that I could access within myself at that point. And um, so, yeah, as I said, I was kind of like, I kept going for a few more years. Modeling is a very hard job to let go of. I mean, the money is obscene and, you know, the the lifestyle was uh, pretty glamorous. And um, I was, I also didn't really know what else to do. All I knew was how to be a model. And, um, you know, I kept going for a few more years Uh, before um, Before I had my first miscarriage. I mean it wasn't a miscarriage because it was actually a late-term pregnancy I was six months pregnant before when the baby died and the doctors couldn't really tell me what happened it was kind of like this slap in the face and um, and Kind of like I felt a lot of a lot of pain a lot of um, you know part of it was obviously kind of biological hormonal um but part part of it was like what's wrong with me like as a woman this is my right and you know i'm supposed to be able to do do this and you know and and i wasn't able um you know and i was you know so i was crying i was sad i was upset but i was also drinking i was smoking i was um um traveling um i was shopping um all in the service of trying to numb the pain I was feeling. And then I got pregnant again um, six months later, and again, and again I've lost the pregnancy at six months, and that really knocked me off my, um, off my feet. Um, and actually, yeah, I think actually what I did forget to mention, because it happened even before, which is that um, before the first pregnancy, uh, my sister, my youngest sister died um, in a, quite a tragic way, which I, I'm not gonna get into right now, but um, but that was, you know, like by the time I was dealing with the pain from losing my sister and the first pregnancy, by the time like I lost the second pregnancy, I was like full on in depression uh, like unable to really, you know, get out of bed in the morning, unable to uh, really do anything or have no desire. I actually remember waking up in the morning and the first thought that came into my head was like, I can't believe I have to go through another day. Like, I can't believe I have to tolerate this pain for another day. And it was, um, yeah, it was pretty intense. And I... Um, Didn't know what to do and at the same time I kind of like kept going through life as if You know, like I I don't think many people knew how bad it was for me and that's what all of us do We we, are you know, we we pretend or we hide, you know, I I chose to hide Um, you know, and I would just like not really see people and um, uh, People would come over and I would be like in bed, you know crying and like not wanting to see them and so on. And it really had, I really had to learn how to, first of all, feel my feelings and process through them, which I'll talk about in a minute, but also how to be honest and transparent about how I was feeling so people would know where I'm at instead of me hiding. So the hiding was actually creating more pain than um than the just kind of like be honest and and share where i'm at
0: yeah it's so interesting how people almost think that it there's something shameful about yeah this pain yet it's what makes us relatable um i mean not that i can relate to the horror of what it must have been like to lose your little sister have a baby die inside of you at six months and then have it happen again um yeah. i can't even i it's hard i think you know to really put it, for anyone to put themselves into that situation it's just and everyone has their own mini horrors and yet i right. um okay. this idea of saving face or not wanting to show it i can understand the idea of maybe not wanting to burden people with our pain but i think in some ways it's not even not wanting to burden people with our
1: pain it's it's almost feeling ashamed of it in some ways that um yeah we can't that we're not resilient enough that we're not strong enough but there's a way that we're like somehow like failing uh to be strong humans (laughs) if we feel pain and you know some of it much of it has to do just with how all of us pretty much all of us were raised uh in this world and you know by parents of a certain generation and all the generations that came before that and just how humans are and were interacting um you know, and how most of us kind of like didn't process our pain. And then we, you know, we pass it on to our kids and they pass it on to their kids. And essentially, by the time stuff got to me, it's, it's, it's generations of unprocessed stuff that kind of like landed on my plate. And a, a part of my work in the world is helping people process what's on their plate, so to speak, uh, so they can, so they don't pass it on. Uh, Either to their children, but even if they don't have children, but they they kind of like they process their stuff for their own sake and their own lineage as well Um, Yeah, and there's so much that we live and process that, you know, we came here actually to kind of like be free and and a lot of us are not
0: Yeah, then that's so intense about your father saying, you know, nobody cares when you try to talk about your emotions That's really That's so interesting
1: normal you know at the time like I, I you know my dad would always say those like awful things like really judgmental things and then he would say it's only a joke can't you take a joke you know and it was kind of like I knew that he was joking but I also knew but it also hurt um and so many of us have the, this kind of like even now with my child I you know there's moments that I'm exhausted and tired and 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 irritable and impatient and I Probably say things to him that I didn't think throughly, and the way it lands in his little system is like loss of love. Uh, I'm something about me is not okay. I, I all these kind of things, and all of us, all of us picked it up from my childhood in one way or another. Yeah, little kids are so sensitive. Yeah, and some of us had like better, you know, kind of like systems around us that that even though these little things happen those little, you know, um, insecurities maybe uh, came up, we still trusted that the system is benevolent and that we are loved and that we are cared for. But a lot of us, and obviously, you know, as, as a life coach, I, I, I talk to all the people who (laughs) life isn't really working for them or it's not working for them as well as they'd like. I'm hearing a lot of awful stories from people and how they, you know, how they were raised and the way that their parents, again, like without really wanting to end up, you know, abusing their, you know, their, their psyche and their their bodies and their emotional bodies. And so, so many of us are just walking around wounded. And I'd, I'd really love for all of us to actually take a little bit more responsibility and accountability to what what landed in our plate and and process through it so we can have more freedom. So we are like better friends and better partners and better parents and, you know, and better humans.
0: I love (sighs) that. So how can we?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a a mouthful for sure. All these essentially like, first of all, sharing my story, because again, like, you know, being, you know, having beauty and being tall and, you know, and being, you know, and having the life that I had, I did have access to a lot actually did not excuse me from experiencing pain. So, um, and having the access that I had to, because actually I had money, I could use all these different therapies and all these different modalities to work on my system. So then I can offer, so then I can, you know, both process it for myself, for my son and for, um, uh, you know, for my community, the people around me and, um, you know, and my clients and, you know, and and people who are struggling on their own path who have similar challenges.
0: Yeah. Every time we hang out and I walk away, I definitely feel like a layer has been removed.
1: (laughs) You have that effect on people um, for sure. And and my medicine tends you know since I don't know if it's because I'm from Israel or it's just my personal style but my my style is very straight up I, I I like to say I like to call things as they are and it's such a relief to a lot of people when things that are that are kind of like elephant in the room are being called out in a caring way not in a not in a kind of like throwing it out way but like wow this is going on and it's creating pain for everybody. Everybody and it seems like to relax a lot of people's system when you can call out what's really going on and when I can speak about my own pain it's it it actually allows people to uh, get in touch with their own pain and give them permission to work with it and to transform it which is kind of like my my hope my desire and my mission
0: yeah I think I think that is something that you represent for the people who know you or the people who are around you is you're no nonsense you say things like they are uh, you don't uh-huh. beat around the bush, but it doesn't <laughs> hurt somehow. You just you're not trying to say you're not trying to prove something or make anyone feel yeah. bad. In fact, you're just trying to relieve pain
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. by, by by stating what is so.
1: Yeah, and I think it's about kind of like the level of compassion care um that um that has to come in any truth telling we have to bring compassion and care we can't just throw to truth telling at people for no without the the care and i think the compassion and care really came from just really suffering a lot so my depression has lasted uh, like a good seven years i was in a really bad shape uh, i spent most of my 30s actually being really really depressed um and i went on to try many to I basically end up, yeah, I joke sometimes that I got a PhD in the studies of Kim, of like my own kind of like coping strategies and mechanisms and, um, and my triggers and my, you know, and all these things. So I could, so, um, so I could be more available to, again, to my community, my clients, you know, my family and my friends. It, it is so
0: important that we understand what triggers us as individuals, because the thing that triggers you, Kim, is going to be different from the things that trigger me. And if I'm not aware of my own triggers, if you're not aware of your own triggers, then when we kind of flip off the handle, um, we have no resources for for taking responsibility and for coping in the moment. So it's really good for us to study our own triggers. And I could see why that. Was so great for you so let's so walk us through it how do we start to take responsibility um what are some suggestions for people that you have
1: yeah so i guess like the the first thing i want to um start is really with with taking taking account of what is going on in your life that is causing you pain and um that's kind of like where we want to make uh the distinction between pain and suffering um there's these you know it's a Buddhist concept that life is pain, but suffering is optional, which basically means that there is pain in life, as we talked about already several times. Um, but what but suffering is uh, they call it in Buddhism the second arrow which is basically like whatever you do to try and avoid feeling the pain is creating suffering. So if I'm trying to avoid the pain of remembering, you know, of thinking about my dad making me, you know, making me wrong, um, every time I think about it, I I may want to eat something, you know, to like make myself feel good. Okay, I'll just eat this candy and I'll feel better. And before I know it, I'm dealing with, um, you know, either with overweight or I'm dealing with, like a serious illness, like diabetes, or, you know, or any, you know, any other kind of like coping strategies that um, my personal system came up with to to numb the pain. And um, the numbing mechanism is so fascinating, because it's, you know, it's the strategy that we usually come up with as children. So something happened, for example, you know, my dad told me, Uh, nobody cares about what you think and feel. Um, And I internalize it as like, I don't don't matter. No one cares about me. I better just shut up and my opinions shouldn't be heard. Um, So then when I, you know, and then after a while, I start checking out, you know, I'm like, oh, if I don't matter, I just, I'm just going to check out. And my personal thing, um, at least as a child, I used to escape a little more into like, fantasy imagination world and i was just not in, not physically in my body i was mostly like not in my body enough um which then later on created the situation where i was a teenager i started smoking and i started drinking in order to not feel the pain in my body um and then that coping strategy became you know before i knew it i was smoking you know a, you know more than a pack of cigarettes a day and i would like drink every night and i would drink. have to drink a lot of coffee in the morning to wake up and i just kind of like all of a sudden it wasn't about the pain of what is my value it was about the pain that i was creating with actually hurting myself on a regular basis in my you know in my teenage years i was pretty promiscuous and just kind of like sleeping around trying to get like feel value from and validated from uh from other people And it just kind of like created, which created more pain uh, and more suffering. (laughs) And then, you know, in a way, like all the stuff that I went that happened to me after, even though it was so hard, I'm also there's a part of me that's grateful for it, because it did give me the wake up call that I needed um, in order to uh, identify what's going on. So that's one of the things that I invite people who are listening is To kind of like take those, in quotes, wake-up calls or kind of like life events that seem at the moment to be so um, challenging, hard, painful, I can't take it, I can't tolerate it, and actually imagine that they are somewhat of a gift, and that gift is a wake-up call. And what if that wake-up call came here to serve you somehow? and it's it's it is hard at first to think of it that way because um you know at this point i'm like when something challenging comes my way i'm like all right like i'm you know i'm like pulling up my sleeves i'm like all right let's get into this what is this you know what message is (laughs) is this um, experience uh wanting to teach me um but at the beginning i was like no go away stop yeah (laughs) most of us most of us when something hard comes
0: up it's like oh my god not this again But you're right um, Right. that it could be a wake-up call, and the wake-up call is that we need to examine what you were saying uh, is the second arrow, the suffering, not the pain itself, but the things that we're doing to cover up the pain. So for you, you said you were smoking a pack a day, you were drinking, then you needed coffee to wake up. Uh, Earlier than that, you're using promiscuity uh, as a way to cover the pain or being out of your body. And so… When a hard thing happens, it could be a gift to, to see what are we covering up and where are we causing more pain than we need. So what are the steps then for, for using it as a gift? How can someone who, who, you know, isn't just rolling up their sleeves and saying, yes, let's go. Um, what are the steps for that?
1: I mean, usually when people come to me or when people are in general ready to do something is because the situation is pretty bad. It's because they realize that they can't fix it themselves and they need help or that they can't keep on going because this is getting really bad. And so the first thing that I... The first thing that I ask people is, "What do you want?" And this is kind of like it's simple, but very loaded question because most of, people get actually kind of like, "What? What do I want?" Like I never ask myself that. Most of us are more connected to what's not working and what we want to get rid of and stop doing and 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 change. You know, um, so that's the first thing that uh, that I would ask people is like, "What is the issue? What is the problem?" Um, you know, and the problem is like, oh, I'm like, I'm overweight I'm I, you know, I can't control my eating or like I'm eating for comfort or like I'm overworked and I'm always saying yes to everybody and like prioritize myself last on the list. Or, um, the issue can be like, like I can't stay in relationship. I, relationships never work for me. I'll end up alone. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm always sad, you know? Um, so all these things are kind of like the issue and it's probably not the original issue. It's more like we're dealing with suffering here rather than pain.
0: And when you're talking about these issues, what you're saying is that's what people don't want, but it's not what they want. When you're looking at an issue, you're looking at all the things that are wrong, which is a very different inquiry from moving, you know, moving away from what you don't want. Isn't the same thing as moving towards what you do want. They always say you can't get from, uh, you know, New York to Boston by avoiding London, you know, or something like that. I forget how the saying goes, but you have to move towards something. You can't just avoid something else to to get to a good place.
1: Right. Well, there's two ways. There's moving toward and moving away. And most people are more aware of, you know, when they come, when they're ready to make change, it's because it's because the situation is so bad. Like, Unfortunately, most of us do not, are not ready to make you know are not ready to roll up the our sleeves and get into it and work. We're more like, oh, something is really bad. I'm actually in a really bad shape. I need help. And so you know, so then the question is like, okay, what's not working? And then I gave the examples. And then the next question is is, is um what do I tell myself about that? So um for example, if you know um i you know i i have i have a client that we work with you know with her with her body and, and being overweight and um and not having control around eating so it's it's kind of like it's one of the examples that actually I come across a lot and it's you know and so she tells herself i will never be loved i will never find a partner i i i i would you know i will just my body would continue deteriorating um I'm out of control. And, when, and then the question is, like, when you say these things to yourself, what feelings come up? And then you start, and then you're starting to work with feelings. And, like, so um, the feeling that comes up are helplessness or sadness, depression, um, you know, these are all examples of things that come up around the issue. Um, and then the next step and is to feel those feelings and so that sounds easy i know i mean i say it as if it's easy but it's i know that it's not and i know that it's um that it can be tricky for some people but um i have um i have a tool that i'd like to give uh, you guys later um that that really helps with processing these feelings but the first thing is to really, like, be aware of what are the feelings because what we do all day long is kind of like, um, you know, like pretending to ourselves and everyone else around us that those feelings don't exist, that we don't actually feel what we're feeling. And that's, again, when the coping strategies come to be to, like, keep those feelings down. But um, one of the modalities that I've learned um um, along the way is called uh, emotional freedom technique. Some of you may have heard of it. It's 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 also called tapping, and it's um it's a pretty simple and easy and accessible technique that has you tap on your physical bodies and particular points along the um the meridian lines. Um, which are the kind of like energetic lines that go through the body, through the different organs. They're used in if you know if you're familiar with acupuncture or acupressure. Um, um, they use those those same energetic lines, and we just tap on those lines while we feel um, the feelings that we've been avoiding, and we breathe. And it sounds like a little simplistic, but there's something about it. That has the body, like the somatic body, which is kind of like the consciousness of the body, um, release um energy that's been trapped in the body for um for usually you know since you were a child um, so let's all actually take a deep breath right now through the nose and open your mouth. Ah. Good. And so right now, um, and usually I'd like to do at least three breaths. So, you know, go ahead while I'm talking and take another couple of deep breaths through the nose and exhale through your mouth. And even with a soft sigh, because that really helps the nervous system to relax and unwind. And as you do, what what happens is that you can become more aware of uh, your body and your consciousness in your body at this moment. And as that, um, we become present to what's actually going on. Okay. And so what's going on can be pretty, as you said before, could be pretty awful, could be pretty horrific, could be pretty scary. Um, and so, which is why we're not, you know, we're like, ah, stop, I don't want to feel this. And then we go for our coping strategies. But what, um, what emotional freedom technique is really useful for is to actually feel those feelings and then release them uh, through the body, through the, those energetic lines in the body. And um, what happens is, is that it takes feelings that are at the 10, and within 5 to 10 minutes, you can really lower the intensity down to like a 2 or 3.
0: Out of 10. Um, so if you're feeling a 10 out of 10 in pain... Just by feeling into your body and using this technique, it goes to a two out of three. Right. So it starts with these three conscious breaths with it in through the nose and then out through the mouth with a deep sigh.
1: Yeah. Which is, breathing is always a good idea. (laughs) Consciously breathing is always a good idea. And then again, like, what are those feelings? And then what we do is essentially we just say to ourselves, either out loud or in your head, to say, okay, I feel this whatever that is, I feel sad. And why do you tap, and I, I, maybe I'll, I'll uh, just do a little demonstration later, but essentially while we tap, what we do is become present to it and say, it's okay for me to feel this. This is how I feel. I feel sad. And it's okay for me to feel sad. And in the past growing up, it wasn't okay to feel sad. I was made wrong to feel sad. Sadness was not acceptable, but now it's okay. I'm not a child anymore. I'm a grown-up, and I can feel this. I'm allowing myself to feel this. And just by saying those things, breathing and tapping, it kind of gives your system permission to stop running away from the pain and just become present to it. And now, I don't want to make it sound too simplistic because – like we already talked about, you know, there's the original pain that happened at, you know, whatever, six years old. And then there's all the stuff that, you know, all the times that then it happened again in the past, because once we, um, once something, uh, once we kind of acquired a belief system around like, I'm not valued, I'm unworthy, I'm unloved, uh, my body is, my body and I are at odds with each other, like. Any of these kind of belief systems that we acquire then become truth and then it becomes all that we know. And then all these other experiences in life kind of builds on top of that original experience. And you know, which is why you kind of like watch people who grew up in abusive households end up in abusive relationships. It's almost like um because they're building
0: because they're building this, they built their life experience on top of the truth that came from their original belief system.
1: Exactly. And the, and the, and the brain just sorts the world to, to uh, find experiences that we already know. And so if you know how to survive abuse, you would continue pulling abuse your way so you, you can continue to survive it. And so that's kind of like how we, it's very hard for most of us to just kind of like escape what we grew up with. Um, And so, Um, when tapping, um, what, you know, we can tap on, okay, right right now I'm getting triggered and I'm feeling this pain and sadness and I can lower the intensity of that. But then there's like all the 50 to 50,000 times it happened before all the way back to the original experience that there, where, where there's, you know, where the system is still triggered. And so when I would work with a client, um, I would, you know, there's, uh, so there's actually two ways to do this. One of the ways is more acute, which is kind of like, okay, I'm really angry when I'm having a conversation with this particular person because he, you know, the way he speaks to me brings up like disrespect or whatever that kind of like, I'm, you know, I'm like, it's bringing the original experience with my dad. Um, So I'm actually not in relationship to that person right now. I'm in relationship to my past. I'm in relationship to, I'm being a six-year-old who is, feeling unvalued by her dad or unseen and so right now i'm a six-year-old i'm not an adult anymore and so i can tap acutely on this situation and then like release the 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 anger the frustration and come to peace around that but it would happen again and again and again unless i was able to locate locate the the original experience in my past and then lower the intensity around that experience two and then subsequent experience and it doesn't have to be every single one of them but there's enough there's just those that are holding that particular reality in place does that make sense yeah when we get triggered and we're dealing
0: with someone today like let's just say i'm i'm talking to someone and, and it and it upsets me in some way i'm not upset with that person today i'm upset with that person for making me feel the way my six-year-old self felt when there was this original wound inside of me and um, and you know maybe I can go and tap you know let's just say I wanted to soothe myself in that moment I could tap on the situation that's happening right now but until I go back to those original wounds and and lower that experience, lower the intensity from that it's going
1: to keep happening is that right? Exactly yes. Um so that's um so that's one of the tools that are that I found really useful and I have to say you know again like as somebody who was emotionally constipated at the time and had no idea what I was feeling and you know except like bad <laughs> it was all bad yeah um um I you know I happen I actually happen on an a teacher who was teaching that and actually a, apprenticing uh, a bunch of us and um i lowered emotional intensity around the loss of my pregnancies i lowered the emotional intensity around my sister which took a while it used to be that i could not speak about uh about the loss of my sister like i would choke up you know and i would like shut down because it would be too much and now i can you know i can talk about it to you and still be connected to myself and i can talk about it you know, and sometimes I would still, you know, still be sad. I would still cry. But it would not overwhelm me and it would not take me down. You know, it would be like something that happened and almost like this sweet sadness that lets me know that I care about that, that I care about my sister and that I miss her and that, um you know, and that I love her. But it's not the end of the world. Um It's not. I'm not. I haven't. Um, I'm still myself and I can, you know, and I'm still alive and I can still interact with life, even though this tragic thing happened. Um, my pregnancy, I think I shared with you, um, uh, the pregnancies were so hard to process. There was something about it that was just so hard. And for a long time, I was not able to even be around friends. I remember one of my friends had a baby and I just couldn't tolerate it. Like it created so much pain in my system uh, that I was just not able to be around her. Like I couldn't hear about friends who were pregnant. I just could not be around it because it was stimulating so much suffering in my system. And, um, and I, you know, I, tapped um a lot of that uh, about the pain around that and it created the situation where i was actually able to again talk about it be present to it be present with friends and i think it actually what created the situation where i could eventually have a baby and 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 go through a healthy pregnancy because there wasn't all those triggers around the loss anymore and there was actually my system was clear to to bring a pregnancy to term
0: And it makes sense because, you know, earlier what you were were saying was in order to feel the good things in life, we can't be blocking out the bad things in life. And so it makes sense that by being able to really be present in your body for all the pain of loss of your sister, you were then able to experience the care and the love and all that sensitivity around really missing her, um, but yet still interacting with life. So... It, it it makes, you know, based on what you said before, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I really learned a lot from you about was your ways of dealing with the breakup uh, when your, when your marriage ended, I knew you originally when you were pregnant, when you were with Michael and,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you've had so much wisdom around the loss of that relationship. And so I'd love to get into that because it's another thing that I think you've
1: Share a lot of wisdom around. Yeah. Um, So my husband, as I call him, my husband and I, we were together for 16 years. And um, I almost, you know, we were pretty young when we got together and I almost did not um, know myself outside of that relationship. And so um, when... You know my my identity was sort of collapsed with the relationship and with him and who we were as a couple and there's a way that i've um kind of lost my identity a little bit uh into that relationship but i didn't know that at the time like to me it was like we were actually kind of like in quotes had the perfect relationship people always you know kind of like thought that we had a perfect relationship and in a way we did but there was a way that I wasn't actually fully m- myself. Um, and, and when, and, oh, and it was actually after the, after we had a child, I think it happens with a lot of couples when my attention went to, to my son, uh, Puma and my husband, um, my husband, um, felt kind of neglected <laughs> and lonely in the relationship. And we tried different things. And, um, and ultimately um, he it was his decision to that the that um, the relationship uh, that he's not actually thriving in the relationship and that he'd like he'd like out and, and you know that was total shock to me at the time because i did not ever imagine us not being together And especially after, you know, after all the pregnancy losses and finally we had a child and all of a sudden, like, actually that wasn't working anymore. And um, even with all the work that I've done with all the other pain that I had, I actually all of a sudden had to do more work because he was no longer there, there to be on, you know, on my side and my support and my, you know, kind of like my rock. Um, so all of a sudden, I was on my own having to do a bunch of work around um uh, my pain um and what was interesting about that, and what I've discovered out of that process um was that we have this idea um and it comes from it comes from us from from this history of of marriage and and this concepts that we have about partnerships that they are forever and that they you know happily ever after and you know i'll I'll till death do do a spot right we 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 have all these concepts around what perfect relationship or what you want to thrive for is this um is this um um partnership that would last forever but Um, so I definitely had that going on, and when Michael and I separated, I kind of, like, had to be up against it. It was like, oh, this is a failure of our marriage, and not only it's a failure of our marriage, um, he was not available to process it with me, and I had this, like, he, you know, like, this is breaking, we're breaking up, and you need to help me process this. I'm angry i'm in pain i'm I, I think you didn't show up in all these different ways and 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 there's just kind of like a lot of blame a lot of r- r- making wrong making um, and the thing you know and and what happened was that michael was kind of like done you know when he, we just process things differently like he was processing when he was done he was just out and when, and at that moment when we, when we were separating, that's when I had to start doing my work because up until that point. I was like, no, we would always be together. I mean, we would work it out. We would, we would come out on the other side of it. And he was like, no, I was done. I'm done. And there was a moment that I realized, and that I think I shared that moment with you before, which is we're sitting in, you know, in, in our bedroom and I was, uh, I was filled with so much rage and with so much um hurt. and I was trying to get him to see it. I was trying to get it like to move him and to have him like be a partner in this in this processing of the pain and he was not having it he was just like not willing to participate in that dynamic anymore like i said he was done he was ready to move on in fact he had he was already in in like wanting to relate with another woman and um and it brought this 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 kali energy out of me this kind of like you know the 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 Uh, this the creator destroyer that just wanted to like rip his head off and 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 just and and by Kali
0: you mean like and the Hindu goddess of of war or something is that what that represents
1: so she's actually the creator and destroyer she she's more known for the for her destruction power and that's what I felt like I am going to this I'm going to destroy you I'm going to destroy myself in the process I'm going I'm in so much pain I'm so angry and I'm and I'm um I had so much energy about this, and he was just not there to process with me anymore. He just stood there, and he was like, "No, I'm, he had, he I don't." He had no want-
0: energy in it, and you were so filled with rage and hurt. And that's what's so crazy. And I think so many people who've ended relationships, or you know, because so many we, whether it's a current relationship or sometime in our past, it's just so relatable. When when we get hurt by someone, and we have so much emotion around it, and they're already done and out the door, not participating and and that feeling often that comes up I've, yeah and i love how you put that yeah. and with so and crazy often, yeah what were you gonna say
1: yeah i'm sorry there's just like often this shoot energy that they should work it with us they should be there they should show up to therapy and, and and do this and if they're done and that's the thing that i had to come to terms with after you know after i felt so crazy from trying to move him and he wasn't movable, he was just like you said, kind of checked out, he was done and he was ready to move on and at that moment I realized that he wasn't actually going to be a partner in this breakup process, that this breakup process is mine, is mine to do alone Um, and that was almost actually freeing because I was making myself crazy trying to enroll him in the process of of, um, of understanding the breakup and understanding what happened and maybe working it out. He was like, no, I'm done. And so once that kind of landed in me, it's like, not only, not only he, um, he left the marriage, he is actually in his right to leave the marriage. He, even though we got, you know, we got married and we said we promised to each other, um, in front of our community, um, many different things actually um we we never said uh, till death do us part we said um that we would stay together as long as this relationship and partnership is serving everyone involved And the moment it's not serving everyone involved then um then we open to a different relating But nonetheless, in my system, I thought that that moment would never come and that we will always serve each other. And actually, the truth is that we weren't serving. We weren't uh, the best versions of ourselves anymore.
0: And it's crazy that you really couldn't see it because we can't always see those things within the relationship, you know, get used to our patterns.
1: That's right. Exactly. It's hard to see. Um, Yeah. It's very hard to see, and that's why i'm a i'm a big uh you know I live in a little community and I have a lot of people around me who can always we we trust each other and we rely on each other to to point the, the shadow, like the blind spots in each other's, we give each other permission to point out those blind spots in each other's relationships and relationship with the children and relationship with each other. And like as a person, you know, uh, and personally, and um, that's something that I actually recommend if you are willing to give somebody that you trust that will deliver it in a loving way it's just like let me know what are the blind spots that you see me keep running like where do I keep tripping like why do I keep running these things and this is kind of like when we actually give permission to each other to um to help each other grow and evolve yeah and not giving someone
0: who you trust permission to point out your blind spots it has to be someone wise obviously because you don't want because otherwise that could lead you in the wrong place you're lucky actually should we detour and talk about the community that you live in because it's pretty extraordinary
1: um, yeah. I mean, what was interesting is even at that moment that like my colleague came out and, uh, was, um, my friend was with us in the room and having actually her hold the space for us had me see it not only for my position, but from, from her position too. And that's when it dawned on me that, oh, he's not in it anymore. And I got to do this work myself and I'm going to let him. I'm going to let him do, I'm going to let him go. I'm going to let him do what he needs to do so I can do my own work. And that was actually the work that I, that then I have to say that it then still from that moment of knowing that I'm on my own in this and allowing him to have his own experience and allowing him not to have to be my husband, this, this still, I, then I could put all my attention instead of like the. Blaming and shaming and then making him wrong, it all came to like how do I process the pain around that And I remember someone told me at the time, "Oh, it takes half the the time of the marriage to get over the marriage, and we were together for sixteen years, and I was like, There's no way I'm <laughs> spending eight years like processing this relationship. I'm like, i you know, and we have a child together, so how do I move through this the, in the most effective way? And I just used all my tools and I used my community to come to a place of completion about the relationship. And it took six months, which I think is pretty quickly. Really quick. Um, yeah, I it took six months to really kind of like process all my anger and my disappointment and my uh, and the fear about the future. Um and so on, and and get to a point where I said to him, I'm ready for a completion ritual, which we actually did. We had a beautiful completion ritual um, that um, I came up with, um, which we did uh, next to the temple at Burning Man, the, that art festival in the desert. Um, and we just had an entire community um, support us in the, in the process of essentially like, Ritualizing the, the 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 completion of that relationship, and it was really it was really beautiful. We had the community around us, and we had um, we were communicating with each other um, our resentments and our gratitudes, and we were saying each what we are sorry for, and what we're grateful for, and what we are very um, what we um, we loved and what we all miss. And we communicated that to each other and then we took each other's rings off um, and then we hugged and walked in two different directions and had the community like um, some of the community follow each of us. And then we went to the temple and kind of like um, offered uh, a bunch of things in the temple and let go. And that night I had a bachelorette party. I had my women night. So kind of like we did the whole thing backwards. <laughs> but what was really amazing about this process for me is that at the end of that, I was I felt free. I felt free from that breakup. I felt free from that marriage. And I felt free to actually um, reclaim myself and reinvent myself and be this next person. And it wasn't I wasn't defined by by the in quotes, divorce or separation. I was defined by who do I get to be next? And now that that's, that's, you know, on the other side of that, I was like, that was quite an empowering process, you know, from a process that could have been awful where I was like this woman who was left by her husband for years and years, I actually was somebody who was able to, right now we have a beautiful relationship. He lives 10 minutes away. Um, he's got a great girlfriend that we're totally like including in the family. And, um, you know, we all can still go to all family events and we collaborate on so many different things. So I feel pretty proud um, of the work that we did, but, and I know that it's possible. And again, like it's about taking personal responsibility and saying, okay, this is what happened. It's effed up that it's happened. And how do, what do I do next? Like, where do I want to go with this? Do I want to be a victim of this or do I want to get empowered by this? And, um, and, you know, empowerment is is always the better choice. <laughs>
0: empowerment is always the better choice. I love that. And this is such a beautiful ritual. I don't want to, I want to just make sure that I got it all. You spoke to each other of your resentments, your gratitudes, the things you're sorry for, the things you loved about each other and the things you'll miss. And then yeah. you took each other's rings off, you hugged and you walked in different directions. And then you had a bachelorette yeah. party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hot.
1: Um, yeah, it was it was it was a really empowering process and um yeah, and and since then actually a few people in our community uh, asked me to lead them through that same process and um it's called 6 steps to completion and you know if anyone if you google it online you'll probably find it. Um and um It's very powerful process. And I what you know, that's one of the stories also that that live in the culture, which is once, you know, that marriage or relationship is supposed to be or love is supposed to be forever forever. And if it's not, it's failing. And if it's failing, then we can't be in relationship anymore. And you're bad and I'm wrong. And it's just kind of like creating so much discord in the in the space, in the field. And what we are able actually to create a new story around is actually now, his, you know, we actually not, we weren't when we met at 26 we were we were great together but then you know at 40 we were different people and 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 we were parents and we just needed different things and we grew in ways that had us wanting different things and that's not a bad thing you know no, it's just it's just what it is and so like the willingness to accept that and process it and then show up on the other side with With more capacity to love, more capacity to have an open heart, and more capacity to include more in the in the family, um, is is what I wish for everyone. is and is is what I wish too that we had more movies and books and stories and and you know TV shows and uh, so we all so we actually have a, a a better way of completing relationship so we can move on to the next relationship with more of our hearts and uh, intact essentially and like not less of us available to be in relationship does that make sense
0: it makes a lot of sense and um and it's true you know look uh, I've learned more from my heartbreaks than from almost Mm -hmm. anything in life and I've grown more Mm -hmm. through heartbreaks than almost anything and love the the opportunity to love many different types of people also is an opportunity to learn because when you love someone you really are part of a, a person's life in a deep way and whatever her superpowers are you can really learn from those so i think all of that is you know the more the more people we can love in this lifetime i think the more powerful we are i do believe that it that if we can end a relationship and and still be friends and still be collaborators, I think that's obviously the best way to end a relationship. You know, trying to end a relationship with as much love as possible, I think a mistake that people make, he wasn't doing wrong by you. He wasn't doing things to sabotage what could be a future yeah. friendship. I think that is a mistake that I see people make is really, um, is, is do damage to the underlying friendship that was there. I talk to, yeah. I talk to an ex yeah. of my. I have one of my exes, and I talk to her every day. Not like on the phone, but we text. I don't remember a day where we haven't texted. In you know, she's. But I mean, it did take a bunch of years for us to be friends again. But I never did anything to damage. We neither of us did anything to dab or damage the fabric of our relationship. And so we still get mm-hmm. to talk every day. Um, but there are other exes who you know, yeah. if if someone you know if they break the trust, that's harder, of course.
1: Yeah, it is. And but again, like there's this two so there's two uh things that I wanna say about that. Uh one is that it wasn't beautiful all the way through. There those moments I remember it was it was Thanksgiving and um you know and and I wanted to text to his new girlfriend and say, you know, like sarcastically, like thank you for ruining my family or something kind of <laughs> like me. And I knew at the same time that it wasn't her fault it wasn't her doing it was just the time for this to happen so i so i was allowing myself again i was allowing myself to feel those feelings and also like knowing that it's actually that it's not about her that it's not about you know that it's that it's not about her um so so like knowing those two things is important and also like i i actually gave myself permission to i didn't want to see him like for for a good four or five months, I couldn't see him because he was stimulating so much pain in me. And we were, I was grateful that we were able to be, he moved again, he moved 10 minutes away. And we were, um, you know, having my son go back and forth, which was fine. He was young enough to not really know much. But, but I gave myself permission to not have to be his friend. I gave myself permission to hate him for as long as I need to for the rest of my life. And that's a part of it, like actually giving yourself permission to feel what is true rather than say, I want to be, be friends and we should have beautiful feelings around each other. No, you got to actually process the pain. you got to process what you're really feeling. And you got to give yourself permission to really feel the pain and hate him and all that as long as you actually know that none of it is actually, in quotes, his fault. Even if it's, you know, almost all situations are co-created. Right, I think I, I could say all situations are co-created, but I always like to leave a, you know, some percentage to chance. But there's really so much of it is is, you know, we we have a dynamics as people, and I bring something, and you bring something, and what is created is between the two of us. It's not one person's fault. Um, Absolutely. And so. Which brings me to the second thing that I wanted to say, which is um, one of these coaching concepts that sometimes helps helps people think about um, the uh, these kind of like topics of of like why am I getting uh, all these challenges in my life, and that is the concept of the author and the character, and so um, there's this idea that you know the character if you, you you know if you're a character in the book of your own life. The character, of course, wants to feel good, wants to have fun, wants everything to flow, wants everything to to feel easy and and, and great. Um, And the character is like, yes, I want, you know, I want friends. I want marriage, work, like all these things. But the author um, of the book of your life wants more than anything for the character to know itself. In a way, you know, that's kind of like one of the things that I believe about life is that we came here in this earth, in this time to learn about ourselves and what we are made out of. And we're not going to learn about ourselves if everything is just great all the time. And, you know, like our, our, our author is going to be bored. It's like, ah, everything is great. Like I'm done here.
0: So and the readers a way- will be bored.
1: And the readers will be bored. Yeah. Um but um but the author kind of comes in and asking asking itself, what would who, you know, who am I going to become through this process of of um losing uh pregnancies? You know, because again, um I had a lot going for me, things were pretty great. Um, but they're like, who am I when I have to go through this process of of like I can't do this? I actually can't bring a child into this world. And who am I who lost her sister who like felt so so much kinship with? And okay, now you got to know yourself pretty well, you're you're doing pretty good, you're not depressed anymore. Who are you when your husband leaves you? Who are you becoming? And the question is always like whether or not these experiences are gonna knock you down and and keep you down, and you're gonna become a victim of those circumstances. Or whether you're going to learn more about yourself and the level of like your resiliency and your capacity to um, to live life and with an open heart, with an undefended heart, which is ultimately, you know, what what um, the experience of life I wish for all of us is to live with an, you know, with more capacity to love and more capacity to experience joy.
0: It's so beautiful. So that's
1: kind. Of- concept of author and 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 character that I I noticed for some people it's it really lands and for some people it's still they're like you know screw you author I didn't ask for this so (laughs) I don't know if that's helpful
0: you can say screw you if you want but you're still going to be older you're going to still be wiser for the pain
1: once you get through it as long as you choose to get through it um as long as you're to walk into it and 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 let it let it affect you let it impact you and let you let it be metabolized
0: and and one of the ways that you can metabolize it is by using tapping or getting into your body and really feeling the feeling and not being what kim calls emotionally constipated
1: yeah um yeah and some of the um yeah there's uh, there's many different modalities that i personally worked with i tapping was one of them i did a lot of kind of like psychological work and and therapy but I also did a lot of somatic work somatic work a lot of us kind of like keep talking about things in our head and we actually want to bring it into the body and where is it where's the experience sitting in my body where is this experience how is it affecting my health how is it affecting my you know my um my capacity to feel um there's some things I even did some work around you know shamanism where I did you know I did rituals and I did I worked with my ancestral lineage and you know i i i worked i did a lot of yoga and i and 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 uh, i studied herbalism and i just kind of studied all the ways that my intuition le- called me to do uh, called me to learn and so yeah yeah i invite you essentially um as a person in this world who li- is living life in this unperfect world um to ask yourself what, okay, there's all these different modalities, what speaks to me, what calls me? And I would just kind of like work with that. And then, you know, so I lowered my emotional intensity. What is next? Some kind of like lineage, family, you know, family came through, so I did the work around that. And then, um, you know, and so on. So I'm kind of like inviting you to um, check this out for yourself. I think that's so great because
0: there are so many different ways to to get into the process of feeling better of of handling stress of handling pain of handling the hardships in life um and just letting your intuition guide you know guide your own path to see which one resonates the most.
1: Yeah, I mean there was a there was a time uh that I was pretty depressed and I tried many different things. One thing that I worked with is a family constellation, which is you know if you wanna Google that you will learn about it. It's very interesting um, modality that works with agreements we made uh, in coming into this world. But personally, the work that I that I found really effective, and that might be a little kind of like edgy or out there for some people, is um my uh, I did go down to Peru and um, sat in ceremony with uh, a curandero a shaman that a healer essentially, um, you know, drinking, uh, a brew, a tea called ayahuasca, which is, um, you know, it creates, um, halluc- it, it's, it's, it's hallucinogenic, but it's essentially what it does is helping your system, um, helping you and un- kind of like dig into your psyche and bring up experiences that are stuck and the medicine works with your psyche in a way to kind of like process unprocessed um, feelings and thoughts and experiences and memories. And um, I, you know, this is a whole other topic that I can talk a lot about, but one of, um, so I've sat with this medicine for the last 10 years, which gave me so much, um, so much wisdom, so much love, so much beauty, I, I got so much out of that experience. But what I've developed is actually a preparation and integration process that most people skip and therefore are not getting um, as much out of the experience as they could. Um, So um, if you do go – if you want to check out my website, it's called – it's www.theevolvingcenter.com. Yeah, I'm going to have links to all your your – to your website and everything, uh, in the show notes. My website, you would basically see some, some of my, you know, life coaching is where a lot of my work is, but I also work with people around preparation and integration. Um, and again, this work is illegal in the United States, which is why most people have to go to Peru or Brazil to do the work. And, um, and, um, you know, the issue with things being illegal is that you can't talk about them and you can't regulate them and then there's all kind of you know situations that can get pretty dicey and so um my invitation is to be safe when doing this and i don't actually offer the medicine myself i only offer the process of integration uh, preparation and integration um, and guidance around it from my experience um and then in my life in in my life coaching um, capacity, I use a lot of the modalities I mentioned earlier um, to work with my clients to kind of like first lower their emotional um, charge and then work with their belief system and then even working with identity kind of change. Like who do we know ourselves to be in the world? Um, And that's just fascinating. I just as I said, like getting in the PhD in in the studies of myself had me understand a lot about myself and about the the kind of human, the human, um, mechanism, what kind of gets us through life. And I'm just fascinated by that and, and love working with people to create a different experience for themselves in life.
0: Yeah. yeah. I remember hearing an Oprah quote, uh, that said something like, we don't become what we want we become what we believe ourselves to be um, that's probably a total misquote but that's why our identity is so important how we see ourselves and what we see as possible for ourselves really is the determining factor of where we're going to end up in this world that's right that's right Ah, <sighs> uh, indeed is there anything i haven't asked you that i should have is there anything important to share that we haven't touched on Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can't let you off the call without sharing one of my favorite bits of Kim wisdom. Oh. Which oh, is, the worst. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, being someone from Israel where at any moment, you know, bombs could drop from the sky. It's very easy to live with thinking about the worst case scenario. But you taught me a great tool around this. Can, can you get into that?
1: Yeah, so what I noticed for myself is that I was going through life checking in as as somebody again, like growing up in Israel, and then like uh, and then also get you know getting the call about my sister dying, then my dad died after that, and you know just kind of like I would start every day the the uh, with checking in with like what's the worst that can happen, so if it does happen, it doesn't take me by surprise. And I you know like my system was like ah, ha, ha, wow, we're so clever, like nothing can surprise us, and of course things kept on like you know b- bombs uh figurative, figurative bombs kept falling out of the sky on me and um but then what i noticed after a while was that by continuing to check in with the worst case scenario i was all i was it's almost like praying for what you don't want to happen right
0: why is it like praying for what let's let's stop let's get into that why is it like praying for what you don't want to happen
1: so, so this idea, you know, when you imagine what's the worst-case scenario, you are create, you know, and then you feel fear or like anxiety or um, contraction of any kind. Um, this is the, this is what your system is orienting toward. It's orienting toward the worst-case scenario, and and it's almost like you don't really allow good things to happen, and if good things happen, you don't even register them because your true north or like your You know, your needle is always pointing toward what can go wrong.
0: And you're looking for what's wrong instead of looking for what's good, because our imagination and our fear
1: is focused on what could be bad. And that's so powerful. That's such a powerful thing to always think about what's, you know, to to imagine what we want and to feel that um, is is really powerful tool in creating our own reality. So wait, what, so wait, what's the tool? Then what's the opposite of that? I love this. Okay, so, what, so the thing is, is that I was like, oh, I need to stop doing the worst case scenario. But my system was like, no, we can't stop doing this. This is like one of our coping strategies. We need to know what's the worst thing that can happen. And then I was, um, it dawned on me that what I can do is actually imagine what's the best case scenario as well. And so I'm not only I'm not like trying to get rid of one thing in order to like look at things I'm not trying to get rid of the negative in order to only see the positive because that did not work with my system It doesn't work with who I am
0: because your system needed to feel safe You couldn't feel safe without imagining what could go wrong because then something would go wrong and you weren't prepared for it So something deep inside of you wanted to be prepared for it. So you still had to imagine the worst case but then you decided
1: in addition to that in addition to that, I would I would think, okay, and what is the best case scenario here? What's the best that can happen? And that created um, this, uh, um, you know, it's it's also like it's what's the worst and the best, but it's also everything in between. So all of a sudden, there's like a whole variety of things that can happen. It's not only the worst, and it's also not only the best. It's a variety of things that can happen. And that's starting to create a situation where you're just having more capacity to imagine possibilities um, that may work for you and that would actually make life more wonderful. And the experience inside that I was having is not the one of fear and worry, is one of like anything can happen today and it can be good and it can be bad and that's okay.
0: Right. There's more curiosity in there. Right, exactly.
1: The more curiosity, more possibility, more options, and it's le- it's less binary too. It's not like this one thing it's so many other things are possible.
0: I love that because i'm I tend towards the anxious as well, and i I ever since I heard this from you, I absolutely loved it. When I catch myself dipping into worst case scenario planning, I say, "Oh, nope, Kim would tell me to imagine what's also the best case scenario here." And um, it's such a great tool.
1: Oh, I'm glad you're using that. That's great. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. What's the uh, value of having wonderful, brilliant friends if you don't get to learn from them? So, <laughs> I'm so grateful for this conversation as well. Is there anything else that I should have asked
1: you? No, I think that we've recovered so much. <laughs> I hope that was of value to anyone listening to this. And um, thank you so much for doing the work that you're doing and getting uh, um tools and different wisdoms out there to um, you know, people who may not have access to it otherwise.
0: Yeah. I I am so lucky to have the friends that I have and I love that I get to share them. So thank you for yeah. being one of them. Can't wait to see you again soon. Thanks, Anna. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Kim created an EFT tapping demonstration video for listeners of this podcast, so be sure to check that out on the blog at womenwantingwomen.com, and there's a direct link to that below. So head on over there so you can see Kim and let her guide you through her own EFT tapping demonstration. And while you're there, I would love to hear from you. We covered a lot of things in this interview, but I'm curious, what of the things we talked about were the most impactful for you? head on over to the blog and let us know. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and have incredible intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a class on the number one thing you can do to end your loneliness if you're single, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a quick guide to the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you could fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of this is free on my website at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of these things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to finding the woman of your dreams faster and easier and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, don't forget that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.